Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. So today we are in the fifth and final week of our Advent sermon series called Luke's Christmas. And as you all know, what we've been doing in this series is simply walking through the Christmas story according to Luke to get at and hopefully experience the real meaning of Christmas. And all because the truth is this time of year, Christmas is something we miss. So in week one through the Zach and Liz story, what we discovered is that God was going to give this old barren couple a child who would not only go on to become a great prophet, but most importantly, was going to go on to be the opening act of God's grand entrance into the world. Week two, we learned about an angel showing up to a 12 to 15-year-old virgin girl in Nazareth, telling her that she is going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit and then give birth to a child that is part divine and part human. In week three, as Mary goes on to visit Elizabeth, and and then as John the Baptist is born, we experience both Mary and Zachariah being filled with the spirit of the living God, proclaiming that not only is the creator of the universe coming into the world as one of us, but that the reason this God is coming is to save us, or to take this world and our lives as they are in all of their sin, evil, and brokenness, and begin to make things right, or to cause his kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then last week, as we made it to the pinnacle of this story, the birth of God, what we found is that God didn't show up surrounded by even more bells and whistles, but instead was born in a barn, wrapped in rags and laid in a feeding trough, which put into perspective that the most important part of this story is not the miraculous, but that our God, the all-powerful, all-knowing, and omnipresent one emptied himself to become one of us. Which is something, when you think about it, should take your breath away. How is it that the creator of the universe can become one of us? Hmm. Now, Given all that has happened in this story up to this point, and the implications that this story, these events have, in regards to the salvation and the restoration of all things, what you would expect to happen next is that news like this would first be proclaimed to the most important people of Jesus' day. You know, the people like the high priest, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and maybe even the Roman emperor himself. And all because those are the people at that time who would have not only been considered to be good enough to receive news, of this nature, but would actually be the very people who could really take this news and do something big with it, right? If you were going to design a plan to get this news out in the world, those are the people that you want to know, or those are the people that need to know so they can go out and tell others. But even though that's the way we would plan it today, if it was up to us, or that's what we would expect, strangely, that's not how God went about getting this message out. Instead, this happens. In that region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. In that region, there were shepherds. And shepherds is what I want you to focus in on. 
keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, of course, when you and I read this particular line, there really seems to be nothing out of the ordinary going on here, in a sense, because we think of shepherds, you know, just ordinary people out doing their job of tending to their sheep. And in this particular story, because these guys just happen to be in the area, they are the ones that are at the right place at the right time to experience this amazing thing going on. That's kind of the way most people think about this story. But what you need to know about what's really going on in this story, if you do a little contextual work, is that this part of the story is actually meant to be scandalous. It's, it, it's meant to make you squirm in your seat. And, and the reason for that is because shepherds at that time were considered to be the dirtbags of all dirtbags. Right? That, that's as nice as I can say it in a church setting, right? The dirtbags of all Dirtbags or shepherds were not only considered to be unclean because they had to deal with poop and blood and death all the time and just dealing with sheep, but it's also the case that the main reason someone became a shepherd at that time in ancient history is because they weren't able to get another job doing anything else because of their questionable past. Or in a sense, like someone with a felony today can't just go out and get any job but have to settle for what they can get because of their record. Back then, people... These people, because of their questionable past, were hired out to be shepherds because they were the only ones desperate enough to take a job like this. And the reason for that is because being a shepherd was not an easy life. It wasn't an easy job. Or it wasn't just about, you know, putting some sheep in a pen and, and coming back three times a day to feed them. No, back then, shepherds spent their entire existence traveling all over the wilderness leading their sheep from field to field, from watering hole to watering hole, and protecting them from all the various dangers and predators that were out there to get them. And as you guys know, sheep were stupid. And so you had to keep a close eye on them. And so that's what these guys spent their entire lives doing, which means at the end of a hard day, these shepherds were not able to clock out and go home and spend some time with their family. No, these shepherds stayed with the sheep 24 hours a day, seven days it was their entire life. And they did it, not because they wanted to, but because that was the only job they could get. Which then begs the question, well, why in God's name would God share the gospel message first with these bunch of dirtbags? What can they do with a message like this? I mean, they don't even seem worthy enough to hear something like this. Or today, this would be like God announcing his arrival, not in the churches or in the monasteries or at the Vatican or whatever holy place you can think of, but out at the local packing plants, maybe the oil fields, maybe the county jail, to those people who clearly in our eyes should be the last to hear this good news. But nonetheless, that's what's going on here. That's what this story is proclaiming to us. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. Or as these shepherds, it seems, are settling in for the night, all of a sudden, without warning, an angel of the Lord just shows up from out of nowhere and is standing before them. And if that's not scary enough, it said that the glory of the Lord shone around them. And what that means is that everything around them just lit up. Or one moment, these shepherds are gathering around a campfire to prepare to get some shut-eye. And the next moment, everything lights up and they're standing in the presence of an angel of the Lord. 
So it's no wonder these guys are terrified. You'd be terrified too if it happened to you. Do you guys notice the look on that uh, shepherd's face in the video that we showed before? That's how they felt. I mean, this was a horrible, terrible, crazy experience. But even though they're feeling that way in the moment as this hits them, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For see, I am bringing you good news of a great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is the Messiah and Lord. Or, or what this angel goes on to tell these shepherds, which is what's most important to get, is that today in the village of Bethlehem, the creator of the universe has showed up as the Messiah, Lord, and Savior of the world. But here's the kicker. Here's the point that he's trying to make here. Not just for people who are good enough. No, this God also came to save shepherds. Which brings to light that what's going on here is not just good news for those people who are considered to be righteous. No, this gospel, this good news is for everyone, including, including dirtbags and sinners. And I don't know about you guys, but that's at the point where I stand up and go, woohoo! Right? I, none of you guys are dirtbags. You don't have some dirtbag pass going on there. Come on. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. That's what's being proclaimed here. And then suddenly, there's a multitude of heavenly soldiers because that's what the word host means. Anytime you read host, it means soldiers. But these heavenly soldiers have not come to do battle. There's nothing to fight here. No, they have come to sing. And what they have come to sing is they have come to sing the praises of God who's decided to come into the world to save us from ourselves, to save this, this whole entire creation that we are a part of. And the way they do it is they sing glory to God in the highest heavens. And on earth, peace among those whom he favors. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And on earth, peace among those whom he favors. I mean, can you imagine what that must have been like? So not only do you have an angel of the Lord standing before you, but everything is lit up, and then all of a sudden there is a multitude, thousands upon thousands of these heavenly soldiers. But then as suddenly as these heavenly beings showed up, it seems like they're gone. And all that is left are a couple of shepherds sitting around a campfire trying to take in and make sense of what just happened. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. The end. Or that's the end of the Christmas story. We go into other things after that. But what I love about this particular ending, or the way that Luke ends his story, is this. The way it ends is you have a bunch of dirtbags who have showed up. And they get to see their salvation in the flesh. The salvation and the restoration of the whole world. And ironically, what they find when they show up is a baby boy. A baby boy, a helpless baby boy, wrapped in rags and laid in a manger, laid in a feeding trough. 
Nothing. That does nothing for you whatsoever. The creator of the universe was wrapped in rags and laid in a feeding trough, and there's a bunch of dirt bags who came to see him for the first time. Nothing? Oh, come on. So, now that we have walked through or, or made our way through the entirety of Luke's Christmas, and hopefully this has transformed you and helped you to get back to the real meaning of Christmas, what I want you to see now is we bring it all together is that the reason why God has chosen to come into the world as our Savior and then strangely chosen a bunch of dirty shepherds to be the first to hear this good news. And not only are they the first to hear this good news, they're also the first to go proclaim it, by the way, is that it reveals to us in a way that can't be denied that this good news, this salvation, this transformation of the world is not just for those people who are considered to be good enough. No, this gospel. This redemption, this revolution is meant for everyone, especially dirtbags. Which, by the way, is not just a theme we find showing up here in the Christmas story, but it's a theme that plays itself out over and over in the Gospels as Jesus invites tax collectors, fishermen, prostitutes, sinners, along with a whole other group of dirtbags to follow him. And not only does he invite these people to follow him, but it's also the case that these are the very people that he entrusts to take his message of salvation and restoration to the ends of the earth so that everyone can hear and experience that there is a God out there that loves them so much that he came into the world as a human being to chase after them. And when you yourself, if you're a dirtbag, right? Not that you guys are dirtbags. I was a dirtbag. Well, wait a minute. I'm still a dirtbag. Let's just get that right. But when someone who was a dirtbag before and has been transformed by what is going on when they encounter Christ comes to you and tells you as a dirtbag that you are loved and accepted, that's what changes the world. If that guy can be saved, if that guy can be transformed, even I can. I mean, it's just absolutely amazing. Which means to you and I, as we're reading the story some 2,000 years later, if God thought those dirtbags were worth saving, or if time and time again, Jesus was willing to invite not, the not good enough to follow him, then I'm pretty sure God still thinks we're worth saving. And God still is calling you and I, people like you and I, to follow as well. You and I. Creator of the universe is calling us. Nothing... You, <laughs> You're a good dirtbag. That's the best compliment I think I've ever gotten. So what I want you to notice about the Christmas story is it's not just this story that we're supposed to read and walk away from and be like, oh, this is warm and fuzzy. God showed up. No, this story is actually an invitation. An invitation that proclaims to you that no matter who you are or what you've done or where you've been, that God considers you good enough and in fact is calling you to follow him. Because he can take you and mold and shape you into who he needs you to be. And you can be a part of what it is that he's trying to do to transform this world. Transform other people's lives. So, so the ultimate response to the Christmas story is to say, yes. Yes. I will follow. Let us pray. 
Father, now that we have made our way through this incredible story, this sermon series, where we've just been blown away by, by getting back into these stories and what they have to proclaim, Lord, now help us to understand the invitation that is being made here. The invitation that leaves us without any kind of excuses. Excuses that we like to make like we're not good enough or smart enough or anything like that. It shows us that if you are willing to call a bunch of dirty shepherds the dirt bags, they're not good enough, that you are still willing to call and use us. So this day, oh Lord, help us not just to hear this story again. Help us to respond to the story by saying yes. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.